Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Determination, Deliberation, and Dragons. In today's episode, we finally get to workshop a story written by Izzy, the Grand Dragon Hotel. I'm so excited to share this with you. Izzy is a fantastic co-host and an excellent writer, and you're just in for such a treat. So, let's hop right in. Izzy, tell us what we are workshopping. Today we're going to be workshopping my story. Woo! For now at least, it's called The Grand Dragon Hotel. And yes, it is partly based off of the fact that I have seen The Grand Budapest Hotel, that Wes Anderson movie, if any of you are familiar listeners. But also definitely based off of the fact that I have seen the first Hotel Transylvania. And it was a lot of fun to write my version of a monster hotel, but, you know, I hope it is at least a little bit of a glimmering of what the Grand Budapest has in terms of elegance and style. Wait, am I supposed to give a whole summary? Yeah, tell us what happens in the story, Izzy. (laughs) Basically, the story follows um, the two characters I decided were the main characters, Um, Sylvina and Rodica as they meet in the lobby when Sylvina finds this little caterpillar that is the pendant for Rodica's necklace. And from there they go in and listen to some lounge singer in the lounge. And from there they find this random plastic bag underneath the piano and they're like, what in the world is this? And it turns out It's part of the Great Dragon that is the hotel, and the intent behind the hotel was for the entire building to be alive, and the building is literally the dragon that was sort of transmogrified, or however, through its own dragony magic into the building, and the plastic bags contain some of this dragon's magic as parts of its sort of corporeal form in that the hotel is literally the form of the dragon and the bags are sort of random bits and pieces that have come off of the dragon. But the two characters don't know why and they spend the rest of the story searching for the rest of the bags to sort of gather up these powerful magical objects that are just plastic bags around the hotel. So they go from the pool area to the exercise area and then they take a break in the lobby again when Sylvina is exhausted from staying up all night because she's a human. And Rodica's like, what the heck happened? Because she is a vampire and does not understand sleeping at night. And from there, uh, the concierge helps them out and lets Rodica know she's fine, nothing happened, humans need sleep. And then Rodica says, okay, I'm going to go search for some more plastic bags, because they're magical. But she doesn't know the reason for it yet. And at the end of the story, 
Sylvina wakes up and is like, I had a dream. And it was that the dragon is having an egg. Therefore, these bags are a side effect of, I don't know if it's pregnancy, but something like that. You can tell the concept behind this was not highly thought out. But in between all of these events, the sort of framing device that I chose was for a tour group to be going on a tour throughout the hotel and, you know, going to the pool and saying, oh, look at this amazing tile work. And then the two characters are rushing in and saying, hey, wow, I found a bag under this lounge chair. So some of the commentary you'll hear will probably be back and forth between my interest in having both of those things in the story. I forgot about the egg. Um, but no, it was definitely interesting. And I love one of the things that we'll also talk about, I'm sure, is just how place-centric this is. By now, in our intros, I've gone over what everyone has done. But again, Julie had a fun adventure. Um, Sammy's was just really fun and comedic. Andy had world-building. Caitlin's was poetic. Mel's was artistic, and Julianne's was a question. And this is very much a place, and it was really cool to see. So, Izzy, why this story? What inspired this story? Beyond me telling you to write a story. <laughs> Beyond you telling me to write a story, I was thinking, oh, geez, I have no idea what to write until I had some random, you know, kind of in-between consciousness and waking sort of dream where I was like, half having a dream and then waking up, I was like, this could maybe be a story and I'm supposed to write a story. And it ended up becoming this. But as I thought more about the actual concept, I was like, oh yeah, Hotel Transylvania. But also Grand Budapest Hotel is a much cooler version of a hotel in my mind than the hotel in Hotel Transylvania. Um, but also thinking of it as sort of a gathering place for supernatural beings and monsters definitely made me think more into the concept of places like a lived-in space more to do with like spirited away and the amazing bathhouse for spirits in that movie and just how much history is in that bathhouse just from what you can see in the movie is so evident and I wanted a little bit of that kind of feeling to it but also a little bit of um Howl's Moving Castle with the castle is alive and moving. It's not really explained the mechanics behind all the magic in Howl's Moving Castle in the movie, but I also did not think too deeply on the mechanics in my hotel either. I just knew there has to be a dragon, and before I decided the concierge was a dragon, I was like, well, maybe the whole hotel is just a dragon that transformed itself into a building. Because it's magical and because sort of an underlying idea is that magical beings have to sort of hide. So the dragon couldn't exist as a dragon in our world without, you know, people, humans going after it. So it transformed itself into a hotel to become this gathering place for magical, other magical beings. And that is definitely not explicit in the story, but that was my intention. I didn't even think of that, but that's really interesting. <laughs> That's something I need to re I need to reread this and and relook at it in this way. I didn't want to say anything while I was writing it to you about it because I never made it explicit in the story because that would be all expositiony and not really important to the action. 
Fair, but interesting. Okay. Is there anything else that we should know? There are definitely parts of this story where I could have edited, <laughs> and they will be talked about because I gave up. I apologize in advance. There you go. Heard it here first. No, it was really fun, and it'll it'll be great. And you need to record yourself reading it, too, at some point. I can definitely do that. Okay. So who would like to share their glow and a grow first? I love the way that it's just really different. And a lot of our stories have been really different. But there's just something so, like, refreshing about reading something that's like formatted very differently like it's yeah I just really love how inventive it is in like the form and structure and then also side note the descriptions you know I love a good description the descriptions are brilliant I'll save my favorite for later um the only thing I think is like it's kind of hard for me to pin down like an audience kind of like I love the like kind of narration thing but then I find it hard to like picture like the right person for the audience of this I'm not sure like whether it's just my inexperience with fantasy but I can't really like imagine like what age range or what kind of demographic um you're going for but maybe I just missed something and like that's not the most important thing about a story but yeah it's great I love all of the like all of the things about it that's really not very helpful so like I feel like the narration was what was um causing me that like you say like welcome and it's like yeah we're in it this is this is great Let, let's be engaged but then after a while it's like does this feel a bit too theatrical in places but is that because I like things that like gravitate towards an older thing and then it's kind of I mean it's not really but like sometimes it kind of feels like safari vibes and I feel like safari vibes often gives like kid vibes so kind of hard to pin down but like other than that it's beautifully written. Uh, I'm a little. I, I I'm I'm ill today. I have a cold, so apologies to the audience and everyone listening for for the probably my slightly congested voice. Uh, I have to second what Mel said about there being something very refreshing about this piece. Although that's not my main glow, but uh, I just wanted to to follow up on that because it is as simple as the fact that it's written in present tense, um, which very few very few of our stories have been. I think. And that was a, a very interesting uh, change. Um, I think it is unique among all the pieces that have been put forward so far. And I, I thought that just also the interesting, like the it was it, it popped back and forth between second person address and and a kind of uh, omniscient narrator, which I was uh, which I was interested by. It, but my main glow was actually. I think this piece is most interested in exploring the space of the hotel more than it is about being necessarily like a character driven or like a story driven uh, uh, short story. It's like following the characters as we move through the hotel, which is very ably established right from the beginning. Uh, you know, as a as a tour of the hotel is is the is sort of the premise of the first 
first section and then that's and that sort of gives us the, the correct expectation and then even as the the characters are running around doing their stuff trying to find the the dragon scales so I, and i think that the the uh the good description that mel referenced before is again sets us up very well for that uh, i will say that my grow for this is that i became somewhat confused during the action sections of this um my like unimportant uh grow is that i it was in comic sans and that's that's not to my to my personal preference but um uh, that that doesn't actually matter, but my uh, and that and that like gave me a little headache. But um, yeah. So I think that there were a couple sections. Um, ah, you did not choose. I don't know how that how that translated then. Never mind then. Um, but the uh, yeah. So I think the my main thing was just that uh, I was a little bit confused during some of the action scenes during some where I was like having trouble following moment to moment what was written. But I but I think. Following up on that, what's uh, I get? I guess I have like two main grows here, and they sort of like come together. Is that like you you choose not to give you, you, not to give us the present tense or show us in scene the stuff in the uh, in the boiler room, which I know is because the narrator has moved elsewhere, and that so that's it's happening off screen for that for that in in universe reason, but the doyalist explanation for why we didn't get to see the st- the 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 issues in the the boiler room i wasn't quite sure why i didn't quite agree with that choice necessarily as i guess it's a choice i would prefer to see it in scene that's my that's my other thing i'm all over the place cold brain blah uh my two glows were i loved the caterpillar i wanted more of the caterpillar just the way you described the caterpillar brought me such joy I wanted to hold him and cherish him as my own, or her, or it. I don't know the caterpillar's gender. Um, and I, just great world building. To echo what Mel said, it was a lot of amazing descriptions. I, I really love some of the clever word plays you use, uh, which I'll get to in my favorite sentences. So it, it was really delightful to explore that hotel with the characters. And I liked the characters. Uh, for my grows, um, I said there were two kind of two small big ones. They're more on the structural level. The first was kind of to echo Andy's concerns about confusion and what's going on in action scenes. I also felt somewhat confused, particularly because the construction of the sentences was a little confusing for me. Some, uh, a few of them had different grammar structures than what I was taught in high school, which again, like grammar rules change all the time. Um, so that's not necessarily like set in stone, like, but it is something that did throw me when I, I saw some of those moments, um, such as, you know, when there weren't commas, it made all the words kind of run together. And then that made it a little difficult to figure out, okay, what's the independent clause in the sentence? What's the main point of the sentence? And what's acting as supplementary information that's important to know, um, but is kind of getting lost um, as it's being incorporated. So that was my first grow. And the second grow was just thinking about how you want to present the second person and the third person sections. I really enjoyed it. Um, I really liked it. But I wonder, especially, it was easy to figure out what was second person, what was third person. But especially when that first transition happened, when we go from, you know, the description of the hotel to the caterpillar, (gasps) the caterpillar, it, it was a little confusing to follow. And maybe something like italicizing the second voice throughout the story might help the readers visually understand, okay, we're switching voices here but yeah as for the uh, glow 
I will say what I really loved about the story is that the setting itself feels like a character, right? Like the hotel and the dragon, the hotel dragon and how it operates and how it's shedding all these skills and we don't know why, how it's uh, kind of strategically spends its life force on this furniture that it'll regenerate and just, uh, it, it's really cool just exploring the hotel itself from like the boiler room to like the fitness area with different all this miscellaneous exercise equipment for all these uh, multi-armed creatures and these other special places. I, I just think, and especially just from the very beginning when you in start in by introducing the hotel, I think that really grabbed my attention and it was really fun to kind of walk through it with the main characters. For my grow, I kind of agree, I sort of agree with Mel about the audience or whatever, marketing or whatever, but I, I don't know how to express, I don't know how to express my thoughts adequately for that. I think that what I, uh, I guess what I feel like is I feel like when I'm reading the story, I'm like going through like a dream, which is, can be a very good thing, right? But I also feel like at the same time, it's very hard it's very it feels oddly out of focus to me in my mind as I just go through the story I'm not sure whether that could be because maybe I just don't have an idea of how the hotel is situated in the broader context of the real world where they talk about like oh we found this plastic bag that's from an ordinary drugstore I think to myself wait is this like is, is this hotel in some like pocket of space in the real earth is this in like a total fantasy world what's happening here uh, that was just one moment and the I think the uh, vampire girl and the human girl all, as well I'm not uh, you might have gone over this in the story I was searching for it but uh, I'm also not sure about their own personal reasons for being in the hotel as well like are they working there are they guests here if they are guests why are they staying here and these are kind of questions uh, that, that come up in my mind that would I think would help kind of uh, bring bring the world even more to life and kind of bring the characters into focus along with the hotel. I'm like trying to collect my thoughts. I'm sorry. Um, I obviously really love this piece. Izzy, I've had the pleasure of reading one of your stories before. And you have this really wonderful, just like eye for places. I think more than any other story, I feel like you really tried showing us what this place is like, how these people kind of walk around it. You know, there's little details like everywhere. There's like lamps and things. There's like a boiler room. Like you, you really fleshed out this place in a really wonderful way. And I really loved exploring it. And I think like my specific glow is like there's certain rooms and I'm thinking of like the, like the sauna room that really feels like it fits into like if a dragon were to become a building i feel like the sauna just kind of fits that like you know there's dragons breathe fire so i'm sure there's some like gland or something that would help like heat up a, a sauna it felt very connected in a in a really interesting way and i think my grow would be I mean, obviously, you you've mentioned that you need to edit this, and this is this is unfinished, which is very fair. I think, kind of building off of what Sammy said with the 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 human and the vampire who are there, I love the idea of switching between like the tour group and what they do, 
but I think and and there's probably ways that you can get both of that in there and you can you can do that transition really well and I wouldn't tell you not to try to do that I just think my my grow is just that I really liked the tour group part of it and I love your um the way that you wrote the person giving the tour like I feel like if um I mean if you're if your plans in life don't go well I feel like you would be an amazing hotel concierge like this was really this was really great so i yeah that's kind of just my grow is that i i i feel like the story should really just focus on the tour group and like focus on this place and maybe a little bit less so on the on the two characters but that's that's kind of up to you cuz again you could make that into a really interesting story and um you can have those characters explore this place and and make that all work so I, I think it really just depends on what you choose to do with this. I can, I can see this going in a lot of different ways, potentially. Hi, so for my glow, I really like that the story that was happening with the two teenagers was kind of a side story a little bit in that you're on this tour and you're just observing this and you're just observing glimpses of it but you still get kind of the full story. I think it's a really interesting way of telling a story. Um, for my grow, I think while I like this way of telling the story, I think um, it's just sometimes a little confusing when it kind of goes into the minds, it feels like, of the two characters rather than you're just seeming like you're just observing it on a tour. And so sometimes it's just a little confusing. I think this can definitely be helped, though. I feel like just um, if it's made a little clearer, if you, if maybe I, as long as I'm reading this right, if you're always supposed to be in the mind of the tour, uh, of the person that's on the tour, um, in second person of as you, just I guess I would say make it a bit clearer that you're an observer rather than inside their heads. But yeah, great story. My glow for this story is definitely the world building. The idea of a hotel that is also a dragon was really fun. And it was expressed in a really fun way with the tour theme. I also really liked the use of the plastic bags as the discarded scales. Something that's usually viewed as like garbage. It's something that the hotel doesn't need. It's shedding them. Uh, and it really made me think of the line, do you ever feel like a plastic bag from Fireworks by Katy Perry? And I thought that was fun. If I had one grow for this story, it would really be that switching between, kind of between third and second person was a little bit jarring. Um, but I did like the use of the tour to tell the story. Um, I think there's just some things that would need to be ironed out there. Everyone gave their glow and a grow, I do believe. So we'll open it up. Whoever wants to respond, Julie. Peter eyes me with trepidation. Is she going to start into a pirate accent again? Uh, no, the answer is no. Uh, so I wanted to echo what Sammy and Mal were kind of picking up on, and then I had a question about too, is the intended audience of the story. As I was reading the story, I I didn't have a specific audience in mind. I was kind of better, better along for the ride. <sighs> Caterpillar. Uh, but I think at the end, it 
I did start to wonder who the audience was. Um, basically, the fact that it ends on a really happy note, like, the dragon is laying an egg, and the last line, oh my, that is good news. Um, it, it did make me suddenly feel like it, the story was more targeted, perhaps towards children, in part because of the, yay, the dragon's having an egg, which is awesome. Uh, and also, B, the fact that the story ended happily. Uh, I now wonder, you know, wh why should I expect the stories for adults to end unhappily? That is just silly. But that is another um, question for another time. Yeah, th that was the only instance where I found myself wondering, oh, I wonder whom this might be written for. Honestly, for the rest of it, I... I mean, I could see it being for, like, teens or kids, but, I mean, I'm an adult, and uh, I, I really enjoyed reading it, and it didn't feel too childish or too juvenile for me. I, I, I liked it, so that that's my two cents. I don't know why I was just sitting here waiting for permission like we're in grade school, but I sure was. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and the, audience is something I think about a lot, but at the same time, I've sort of come to this place where I think, especially, be, I don't know if Izzy is trying to get this story published or whatever in, in, in an official sense, but I sort of wonder at the end of the day, like, I enjoyed this story, you know, like, and I think Izzy probably enjoyed writing it. And it's sort of like, if, if you enjoy reading the story and everyone enjoys reading the story, it almost, it almost doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, especially for short stories and especially for sort of unpublished works. Like, I think that there is a lot of room at it to exist um, as just like, this is something fun and interesting and different. And I, th uh, and I think that uh, has anyone ever read the book Aberat? It's this incredibly niche book by Clive Barker, uh, which has like, full beautiful like artwork uh every 20 pages or so like straight out of the like the um the louvre style like wow like that's just amazing and crazy and it's got this just like insane over the top story that i'm like like sort of moves back and forth between um being like is this like a children's story is this for adults and it's like that story is never gonna sell as well but like it, it finds its audience, and it's like really, really fits for them. And I think that there's at least at this point, I would say to to Izzy, you know, like I wouldn't be too much concerned if you want to keep working with this story about audience yet. Is 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 my is my personal two cents is like sort of stick with what's making you happy. Is is my just like two thoughts on that? Okay, so. I know I started all of this mess of a conversation um, and now I kind of want to backtrack um, but like I think I landed on why I thought the things that I did um, initially because we're having this discussion um, several things I feel like there is a place for things that don't really fit holy kids holy adult um, you know when we were talking about the sauna I really was thinking like hey like this is like actually easier to think about as kind of like Ghibli-esque. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But um, like that kind of like, it's a story and it's magical and it's kind of for kids, but it's also very much like not. It's for everyone and it's enjoyable and it's like lighthearted and sweet. I think what I would have trouble with was the um, slipping between 
um, narration styles because it was a straightforward story and then it had moments of like direct address and it I mean people can say this like metaphorically but it was almost literally like holding our hand and leading us along in the story so it kind of felt like it could have been more juvenile in places but like obviously that doesn't matter that much I'm thinking a lot about like good omens at the moment and like that is very much like there's the kids story and the adult story and it's not really like not for kids but it's also like very much geared towards like everyone I feel like Neil Gaiman is really good with that and he has some of his stories that kind of feel kind of childish and then there's like something horrific happens um and the ocean at the end of the lane is a great example like I technically that's a kid's book but like there are some horrifying things in that book um and I'm not saying that this story is horrifying because it doesn't really have that many like dark moments maybe I'm misinterpreting the story by saying it doesn't have dark moments because I feel like that's up to interpretation but like the audience really isn't like a problem to say it's more like a thing to like ponder about and like examine the thing because I feel like it's really close to being like really excellent in its execution but I feel like sometimes because of like the confusing sentences which like is a problem most people deal with um if you haven't got into the habit of just like stripping down to what needs to be said like there was a bit of where you like describe the color of a pillow and I was like at this point is that relevant like it sounds nice but is it relevant is it distracting from all of these ideas that are central are their ideas central so it's more like think harder that sounds mean but just like I feel like it takes a real skill to examine your own work in this way which is why we're helping um but just be like does this work what am I attached to um in this story what does need work because I feel like at the start I was like "Ooh, this is so different and exciting and then at the end I'm like but did it work and I feel like something like the footnotes were great but then I'm like why is there footnotes if we're being told a bunch of things like it's dialogue um I personally think that this would be really interesting as kind of something epistolary like it's a story around a campfire or whatever or something but that doesn't really make sense with the hotel so it would be guiding someone around a hotel but I feel like it's a very complex issue that would obviously need to be taken care with doing and I just feel like it's hard because the narration is lovely but then the narration is kind of tripping me up and I think the others up but I can't speak for them and um yeah it's a really good story the audience might not be the problem it's wording but isn't all of writing wording I'll stop talking now yeah I feel like I just agree with some of those thoughts about the audience it's reminding me like I I don't remember where I heard this or if I'm just misremembering, but I feel like I heard some Star Wars author or director or writer or someone basically say, like, the, you know, the audience for Star Wars is kind of like everyone. They don't go into it thinking, like, oh, I'm going to write a book for ages whatever. They go in basically saying, like, I'm going to write a book about this idea. And, you know, there are people who 
who connect to that and there are people who don't and people in both of those categories can be in basically any age. So I don't know if, I, I think I kind of agree with Mel that I don't think the audience is the issue and I don't even know, like, I mean, maybe we'll find out that you were thinking of like specific kind of audience things when you were writing this. I, yeah, I, I would say just don't, <laughs> you're not allowed to tell us anything, Izzy. Um, but I would say like, don't even really worry about that. Really just kind of flesh out, you know, what you want to say, those thematic things, what you want to, what you want to get across with this hotel. And I think the way to kind of do that, as Mel was saying, is try to kind of, I, I, and, you know, clarify like what's going on perspective and all that and i think i am leaning i'm slowly leaning more towards like i kind of wish this was just the the tour group but i think you know once you kind of flesh out what exactly you want to do with this then then it'll become a little bit more cohesive yeah and i would be curious um you know in the chat right now i was also saying experiment to play around with it i'm just like voicing your thoughts mel i'm sorry um but uh, you know, you could totally just like write multiple different drafts, you know, see see what works. And at the end of the day, like the, the more you write, you know, just eventually cut things away, um, you know, delete what doesn't work. And uh, hopefully what's what's left will be really, really cohesive and, and strong. And, you know, you're well on your way to that already, I think. So I'm excited to see uh, eventually what you come up with and how this how this story evolves over time very brief point i know it's just short story so it doesn't really apply but in other forms like longer forms of writing audience is actually really important am i saying this because i took a module on it mayhaps but like um because it really envelops like everything about writing because it's like how long is it what kind of words are you using what kind of sentence structures are you using if you get into like teenagers it gets a little bit muddled and for some reason people write 400 page books but for this math is important it feels fine it's not an issue maybe we should stop talking about audience now but yes i mean i'd be curious like what did everyone think was like the the strongest part the tour group or the like what would you want to see going forward the tour group or the the people because obviously merits to both of them but yeah i was thinking about the whole reason i was thinking was it confused about audience or whatever or also feeling like distant from the story i think i realized it's because of the narrative device where we alternate between the tour group and the uh two girls exploring the hotels and those are both like kind of like different stories one where we're going around like an awe at each room of the hotel and the other where we go around uh collecting scales and it's in a really interesting narrative framework but i kind of agree with uh peter that it might be worth experimenting between uh either leaning in hard on the tour group aspect or leaning in with the uh two people exploring or even you could do almost what I kind of thought you were going to do at the start, which is where uh, you kind of start with the tour directed at the reader, but when the caterpillar goes in the girl's hand, you just transition hard to their uh, perspective. But I, I just think I, I like the framework, or I think the framework you have right now is very creative and interesting. I think experimenting with others and just seeing how they read would be uh, 
worth it for this uh, draft. And Peter, I completely like talked around your question. Uh, for me, I'd be interested in seeing more of the girls' adventures, but I still like the tour group aspect. I'm wondering if one of the characters themselves could be like a tour guide, and it's not directed towards the reader, but more towards like other characters in the story. Whether one of the girls is the tour guide, or the tour guide's just a third character in the story now. And just kind of remove the reader as a character. I have a controversial opinion. I like the fact that both stories mix, that both writing styles mix. Um, and I think it could work if, again, like if it's kind of clear when we're shifting from one to another, especially in the beginning. Um, and I think it might, if if Izzy were decided to stick with this um, mode of storytelling, uh, which I did enjoy once I figured out, oh, okay, we're just switching between second and third person. I think the other thing to consider if you want to continue in this narrative structure is to think about how the tour group and the girls, how those two stories are interacting. What I mean by that is I felt kind of confused about how we kept seeing the girls. Like, we'd, you know, we'd be taking a turn. Oh, there they are again. And I didn't object to that, but it, it, it did leave me wondering... Uh, Surely there were moments on the tour where we weren't seeing the girls and we were just looking at um, other items. It, it, it felt kind of weird to keep running into the girls. Maybe there's a reason behind that, that the story didn't go into. Uh, maybe, you know, there's some other form of connection too. Like, as I think it was either Sam or Mel or Peter who may have said this, like, maybe the girls are part of the tour. And they're, you know, just running off to various portions of the room randomly and then they reappear to the consternation of their parents who are talking about the 1785 Marie Antoinette which was both disturbing and really funny um so I, I think one of the strong one of the stronger parts for me of, of the story was the mixed narrative I think there are ways to help strengthen that format if you want to stick with it I know for my part I enjoyed interacting with the girls and getting to know them and I also enjoyed the really pithy sayings of the, the the who's gonna call it the, the the tour guide yeah again those were my two cents so now i've deposited four cents into this imaginary piggy bank julie was just making me think i've already talked about star wars but she reminded me of a specific thing there's this one book that follows these two characters who kind of go through the events of the original three movies so you see things that are kind of recognizable from the movies, but like these characters are like just to the side of it and they're kind of doing their own thing. So like they're having their own kind of little like dogfight as the Death Star blows up and whatnot. And it's really, it was a really fun way of, I think it was like one of the first new canon Star Wars books that came out, Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. And it was a really great way of kind of bringing in these, you know, this audience of, um, and just getting people excited to like see all of these things from this new perspective. And it, it, it did feel very purposeful. You know, these were characters who had their own motivations, their own stories, and they were just situated in just the right way to also see these other things. And yeah, I think like Julie said, I, I, I don't think you necessarily need to like pick one or the other. I don't think it doesn't work. Like, you know, there's always something that works for everyone. And no matter what you pick, I just think that that's going to be another version of a draft potentially where you have this one where you have the tour group and the characters kind of 
interacting at this level and seeing what happens. So yeah, Julie just reminded me of that book and I wanted to mention it. Everyone find your favorite line then and feel free to, to jump in whenever you find it. I can start because I have mine right in front of me. I, I First, I will say runner-up. Uh, the runner-up was about, on page two, the uh, small family of giants conservatively taking up a quarter of the lobby floor space. Uh, that was just one of those moments, Izzy, where it was brilliant wordplay, and it made me chuckle. Because uh, it really is a... It, it, I, it's great. I don't know what's going on there. I probably should because I'm an English major, but it made me it made me chuckle. Uh, but my my favorite would be on page one, um, or items of a rarefied and lightly cursed nature, and then the footnote. Note I say lightly cursed. We are no longer accepting major curses, hexes, or enchantments. Our vault is currently at its limit. And again, that that just made me laugh very much because it's it's a, a funny caveat, like. like you know, lightly cursed items, you know, not a problem. Major cursed items, big problem. That, that was probably my favorite line, was right on the first page. Okay, I have my line. I also feel like we really should have talked about the idea that this building is a dragon. And I don't think any of us really addressed that. Um, so, I thought it was cool. I liked it. I want to know more about this dragon building, but also I think you it was very mysterious, which was also good. So if anyone wants to comment on that, feel free when you share your line, but I'm also, I'll, I'll share my line too now. So at the bottom of page 10, also a footnote, what with the constant changes the hotel makes, producing a new lantern in a darkened corner or closing off certain wings for cleaning and maintenance, any hotel map's geographic relevance is limited but they are treasured archives of the different eras of the hotel throughout the ages. I just love that this dragon hotel is kind of weird connecting the hotel to a dragon. And this line, I think, really helps push this idea that this hotel is alive, that it is a living dragon. And, you know, the dragon is growing and changing as all living things do. And the map is changing with it. It's just also kind of funny. I'm, I'm picturing all these like tour maps with like the comically like big locations and things, and that's they're all just wrong after a little while. So I, I really like that detail. I thought it was amazing. I have one that's also on the first page. It's just like the moment where I was like, ah, oh, yes, description. Yes. That's the cold, creamy stone is flecked with crystals of goldenrod and covered with thick richly colored carpets i just you know like instantly pictured everything so clearly i feel like it like description is a really good way of like just drawing the reader in and just being like welcome to my story here it is and um it's like you definitely don't have the, the white room syndrome where you like don't describe anything because very good place description we've been over this I'll go with, uh, her knife-like glance immediately locks onto the golden trinket already shivering in anticipation in the teenage girl's hand. With a flourish of her long black coat, the young woman marches directly towards the pair, and the wobbly finger pointed her way. I love a good angsty boy description, or in this case, angsty girl, but boy has a, has a nice B.O.I. sound, so. 
I, I love the whole like opening sequence all the way down to the line, oh, hop on if you want and I can help you find them. I've got a knack for finding things. It feels very cinematic. Like I feel like we're just taken through like this enormous hotel lobby and then we gradually kind of zoom in on the, these small details like a caterpillar uh, trying to navigate through it, being overwhelmed by all the occupants. And then finally uh, with the caterpillar kind of uh, going on onto uh, the main character's hand and I think just what she says is just kind of a nice way to establish her as a, a character who's willing to help people and who's interested in like exploring this big space uh, so I just really like every the opening scene again I can just really picture it in my mind very colorfully for my favorite line I think I would say through the melee of bickering werewolf and Alicanto families, a pair of hobgoblin bellboys struggling with an overloaded luggage cart, and a small family of giants conservatively taking up a quarter of the lobby floor space. I just really like how you described all these fantastical creatures with um, such mundane human um, actions and characteristics, and also, and not just because they're fantastical creatures. I just like. This is also very good um, world building, I feel like, and just showing that there is a world outside of the people on the tour and also the two main characters, it seems. Um, great story. Okay, that was everyone, correct? Izzy, we've silenced you for this whole episode. If you would care to, to speak, you, you can. Yeah, well, I'm very not surprised that the narrative switching was... A confusing point. One of my biggest problems with any kind of writing is that I'm like, the reader will understand because I understand. <laughs> and no, that's not how it works. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for sharing all of your thoughts. And um, definitely, I would be very sad if I was writing without doing copious descriptions, which I know can be also a little too much for readers where they're like, okay, we've seen enough. What's happening? <laughs> so some of the pacing and story parts got waylaid because I was like, that's not as important because I like the hotel. <laughs> and definitely the driving force of my story idea was the hotel. And then thinking, well, there has to be stuff happening in it or people won't read it. <laughs> the tour group was sort of my compromise where I was like, I can show as much of the hotel as I want in the tour. But then there has to be characters that people can kind of latch onto. So I chose the two girls as that sort of balance between seeing as much of the setting as I can possibly show while also having things happen. But yeah, the ending kind of happened because there was a page limit and I didn't plan the ending. Also, I hate sad endings. I really want to check into this hotel. Uh, I don't know. Well, if you're having trouble with, if you really just want to go all in on the tour guide, right? I feel like you can just make, like the reader is a character in a, in a way. So you could just go all in on the tour guide, not have these two girls in there just because you feel like you have to and just kind of have some relationship between the tour guide and the reader. I, I don't know how that can work as a plot, but. Well, the original idea didn't involve them. And the tour group was the idea that I came up with as a compromise to be like, the tour group is the way I can show copious amounts of the hotel. But the two girls were the original main characters in my mind. 
but yeah, I appreciate what you were talking about. I had no thoughts about the audience. I was like, let me write this <laughs> and get the story to exist. And your thoughts about the audience really do make me think more about where the story could be going because that was very much not a thought that I had. Going off of Sammy's thought, like if if the reader were a character, like maybe maybe you do write it in first person oh, and like I don't want you to do the that. Okay. Never mind. Just an idea. Where like maybe the reader could go on the tour and find the bags, but like No. Sammy just made me think of it. But okay. That could be neat, but I would prefer for there to be an actual character doing the things. Although I did choose to address the reader many times, but that was more of a, I like this narrative voice. Let me go all in with that. It may or may not work. We'll see. Oh yeah, as for the dragon building, I'm a little bit surprised people were not talking about that because I thought that was going to be a major confusion point for people along with the narrative switching. But I don't know. I think you illustrated it well enough to just kind of accepted it. Like this is the this is the Dragon Hotel. It's pretty it's a living building. It's cool. Okay. Well, it was clear to me, but I didn't know for sure for other people. I have a short story recommendation based on the, just the idea of like not wanting to have like like characters being secondary. Um, but still having characters. There's this one called The Universal Story by Ali Smith. Um, and it it's like about a bookshop like as the main setting, but then it like focuses on a guy who's coming in to buy a all of the copies of Great Gatsby that they have so that he can help. He's the assistant to an artist who's making a boat out of editions of Great Gatsby and like the book is gonna die in that because it's gonna get wet and then there's like a fly that lands on like a movie edition of um one of the Jane Austens and it's like the fly's also gonna be dead soon but let's not talk about that and also the bookshop is next to like a graveyard and like clearly I can remember a lot about that it might be because I wrote an essay on it but it's just it's so like interesting as a short story is like a way of exploring space without necessarily having a plot because it was just the idea that you said like oh like people have to be doing things for it to be an interesting story and like technically people are doing things in the story but like that's not what the story is about the story is about the place and the books and like the journeys that the books have been on and like the importance of books and I did my own version of it that was set in a supermarket but like it kind of lacked direction because it wasn't about books anymore um but like it's so fun to just play with all of these different ideas and like ways to write a short story that's why reading short stories is a really good idea because there's some weird ones out there um so yeah alice smith is a good author to check out if you like characters not doing things thank you peter I think that was one of the stories I've read of yours before I recruited you. But Yes, because I was like, <laughs> I have to put things on my website. Can anybody help me? And you're like, I volunteer. And I was like, read the story I wrote three years ago. And you're like, it's good. <laughs> Thank you. It's fun. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Determination, Deliberation, and Dragons. I hope that you enjoyed the episode. I know I did. If you want, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. 
You can also find us on Patreon, where we have some exclusive episodes, including an episode where Izzy and I went to the Planet Word Museum in Washington, D.C., and we recorded some of our thoughts. So if you feel so inclined, please check that out. But that's all we have for now. So everyone, thank you again. And remember, don't let the day drag on. Awesome. Well, as I be reading this here, sorry, <laughs> I be thinking to myself, where be my trustworthy parrot? He be not here right now. But the second thing that I be thinking was, you know, the caterpillar will do as a first mate. I be really enjoying the heartiness of the caterpillar and the way it scuttles across the deck of the hotel seeking refuge. The caterpillar brought me pirate heart. Tears of joy, and I would be liking many more exploits of the caterpillar. And also, I think it needs a name, because every good first mate needs a name. Yahar. Um, I would also be agreeing. <laughs> <coughs> okay, important question here. Do I continue on in the pirate dialect? Like, you know, I said Andy, I would. I told Andy I would do it. We're gonna do it. Yar. Um... I'd be also agreeing. That the world building be most excellent. I be liking the characters and the way that the vampire lass, Radica, was being described like a storm moving across the sea. That'd be very good description. And I be agreeing with Mel. Yahar. So overall, those be me, me glows. Great world building, likable characters, and the caterpillar. As Jimmy grows, um, I be having two small big grows. Uh, the first, uh, be concerning the transitions between second person and third person. Now, going between second mate and third mate be much easier than going between second person and third person. But, um, still, there be some moments when, uh, one paragraph be in second person and the second be in third person, and I, being a canny pirate that I am, <laughs> could figure out what was going on when. That being said, it might be helpful to have some sort of indicator about why we be going from second person to third person, or when we be going from second person to third person. Mayhaps italics, oh, um, italicizing those moments when the second person is given the tour might visually set apart the second-person dialogue from the third-person narration. But that be my broodings. Um, me other uh, small big crow be related to Andy's point, in that I be a pirate. I be not always understanding proper grammar. But in the moments where I do be understanding somewhat of grammar and mechanics, such as fixing my ship, um, I sensed that there were some moments when the grammar be not as polished as it could be. And bear in mind, I be a pirate. I care not for polished grammar. But 
And especially in some instances, it made it difficult to follow exactly where the story be headed. Um, and I'm, I be having some instances that I pointed out in my own uh, document that I be sending to you, other Captain Izzy. Um, but yeah, simple things like uh, uh, conjunctions, <laughs> semicolons, <laughs> comma rules. Yar! <laughs> I be getting nervous. Uh, but anyway, um, overall, I'd be like in the scope of the story, and I'd be thinking that if some address were made to, you know, some of those horrid mechanics of writing that I remember dimly from my school years, that might help strengthen the story and ease the confusion, the waves of confusion that be tormenting Andy and myself. So, Julie, just from experience editing... That's not gonna work. <laughs> Audacity. Um, so if you could just do a regular one, please, I would really appreciate it. Yes, I, I, I apologize, guys. Claude the gentleman whom we were talking about earlier, about gentlemanly pirates and such, and he wandered in here and it kind of just took over. It was very rude of him. But then again, he's a pirate. Uh, so, um, very quickly, for the benefit of all our viewers who was wondering what insanity I was engaging in, uh, thank you, Izzy, for the compliment on the pirate voice. We were talking about pirate voices before we started. I'm not completely crazy, I'm just harmlessly, mildly a little crazy. Um, yes, but to translate into, you know, normal contemporary English, 